Hi, Dr. Jack Wilson. Good to have you on the show. Thank you, Hardy. Great to be here. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, so for everybody who doesn't know you, could you please uh, tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I'm also a cardiologist. And I did 10 years of medical training in the conventional American medical system, did four years of of medical school, three years of internal medicine, and three years of cardiology training. And then I spent 10 years on the job in the largest uh, group in uh, Arizona in the, in the United States. And then along the way, about two to three years into that practice as a conventional cardiologist, doing all the prescription drugs, all of the angiograms and pacemakers and all the high-tech cardiology stuff, I met the woman who would open up my eyes to really all things health and wellness. And she is a doctor of chiropractic, a DC, as she says, a doctor of cause. And she said, you need to be a doctor of cause. You need to stop with all the drugs and with all of the surgeries and all that stuff can be prevented and so much of it is is useless and needless and I listened to what she had to say Hardy and this was she was telling me this and it was our first date and I but what she was saying really hit home and made sense I saw so much sickness around me I saw sickness in my own family and ultimately I didn't want to get sick either so I started to listen to what she had to say started to make changes in my personal life and my professional life and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Now I'm talking to you about it. <laughs> I love this. So um, could you could you please, Jack, um, talk about that? So what did she teach you? And um, yeah, I think everybody would love to hear like the story behind behind this huge change that you that you have made. So, well, I mean, I mean, listen, fundamentally, uh, cardiologists do some life saving things. Yeah. Uh, and so do other medical doctors, so do, so do other surgeons or brain surgeons and trauma surgeons. But that's just the point. It's just really in that emergency or trauma situation where medicine really excels. In the prevention standpoint, we have nothing to prevent. We have a lot of things that help to cover up symptoms, right? If somebody's got some kind of autoimmune condition or some kind of arthritis, we've got steroids, and we've got chemotherapy agents that all shut down the immune system, as opposed to trying to figure out why is the immune system not working appropriately. And that's really one of the fundamental things that she talked to me about. And again, when you start with the why, you can start with nutrition. And where does the medical doctor get training in nutrition? In the United States, we don't. We still don't. Um, and this is 20 years after I, I went for, you know, to medical school. So we need to focus on nutrition, but pretty much everybody these days understands that. Uh, but we also need to focus on the other healthy aspects of life, be it physical activity or the importance of sleep or the importance of getting sunshine, the importance of getting stress out of your life, the importance of getting away from all the chemicals and the environmental pollutants, which are all evidence-based reasons why people to develop the disease. But again, the medical doctors have very short office visits and a very limited skill set because they've only been trained in how to write a prescription. <laughs> yeah, and I think also that um, like many doctors don't even take take their advice themselves. They are like totally out of shape and also have a drinking problem, drinking too much wine at the end of the day. And yeah, so um, could you could you please speak about like 
um, what have been the most important changes that you personally made with this newfound wisdom? So, um, yeah. Well, you know, I tell the story about, um, you know, my father and my father was was my hero. He was my mentor. My father was a cardiologist. And since I can remember my earliest ages, I wanted to be a cardiologist. I went to work with him, you know, whenever whenever he would allow. I, I always gravitated towards that part of science. And then as I became a cardiologist, I realized all those dreams. I saw the failures within the cardiology world I saw the failures in the prevention, and unfortunately, what were the, the failures that you were seeing? Well, I mean, listen, Hardy, the hospital is a revolving door in the sense that somebody comes in with a heart attack. Three months later, they come in with another heart attack or congestive heart failure or a side effect from the pharmaceuticals. We're not making people better. And the evidence on all these different pharmaceuticals tells us if we are making an impact, it's a small impact. And that's not good enough for you and your family, me and my family and everybody else and their family. We don't want to lower the risk from 5% to 4%. We want to lower someone's risk of a heart attack, stroke, and dying from 5% to 0%. We know they can't do that. I think that my plan can, and that's why I talked about it in my book, The Paleocardiologist, and you know, for people to get on that plan. But I saw, I saw the sickness develop in my father, and my father ultimately died of a disease similar to Parkinson's, a movement disorder. The best hospitals here in the United States had no, had no treatment for him, and they had no idea what was causing his problem. And then I meet this doctor of chiropractic, and she tells me all of the cause, all the reasons why my father got sick. So, well, what were the reasons? Like a few. Could you, you know, I mean, I mean, listen again. Um, you know, poor nutrition, as you said. Uh, doctors are not trained in nutrition. We certainly don't. Most of them, of course, don't follow nutrition. When I left that big cardiology group of 40 doctors, at least a third of which you'd have to characterize as overweight and obese. So you're right. I mean, who's going to li- even if they knew the medical advice, even if they knew the health advice, would they be able to offer it? So my father ate a very poor diet, you know, Chicago based cardiologist. If we say sunshine's important, my father rarely got sunshine as a Chicago based cardiologist where the weather is miserable, you know, 10 months out of the year. Um, if we say sleep is important, how much sleep and quality sleep does a cardiologist get? We're always on call, job, yeah. always on edge. If we say stress is bad, how much stress did my father have? Um, again, physical activity, getting outside, getting outdoors. What about the chemical exposure in a hospital where there's all of these um, pesticides and fungicides and virucides and all these different and, and then all the artificial light, all of these things that, that they have. So, you know, so many different reasons. And then, of course, ultimately, when you're a cardiologist, you do a lot of procedures that are that are based upon radiation exposure. So if we're doing an angiogram or a pacemaker, we're getting exposed to radiation, oh, and we know man. what happens. Uh, you know, to um, uh, uh, you know, the Incredible Hulk, David Banner, uh, um, or Dr. Bruce Banner, Dr. Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk, he gets exposed to gamma radiation. He turns into the Hulk. This is kind of a lousy analogy and not overly professional, but nonetheless, radiation causes heart disease, radiation causes cancer, and radiation damages your brain. And as a cardiologist, you're around that all the time. So ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, once again. 
and, and it's in, in retrospect, you know, Hardy, it's such common sense. And what I'm here to teach people again is about, hey, listen, there's a better way to food. There's a better way to lifestyle. There's evidence-based supplements. There's testing people can do. We don't have to have a world filled of heart attack victims, right? I mean, heart attacks are, are, are claiming, you know, are, are, are happening every 44 seconds. We're in the United States alone. We're, we're losing over 700,000 people a year to cardiovascular disease. Um, and, and it's happening way too early. It happens to, you know, to TV personalities, to movie stars, and again, what is causing the heart disease is the same thing that causes cancer, the same thing that causes dementia, the same thing that causes autoimmune disease, the same things that are damaging our children. Mm. So um, th this conversation now leads me to your book, um, Jack. So could you please speak to that? Like, show us the, the better way to, to live our life. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, listen, obviously, you know, I mean, we're, we're pretty hardcore, you know, in, in our lifestyle. And I think the more hardcore, the more you follow the plan, of course, the better off your health is going to be. And uh, my book is 17 chapters long. It's over 200 pages called The Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health. And uh, actually, I mean, it's, it's offered right now. If all you do is pay shipping in the United States, and there is an international shipping as well. So it's available for free on our website, thedoctorswolfson.com. Or, of course, like everything else in the world, you can buy it on Amazon. So... Um, uh, you know, the book is 17 chapters over, two, over, over 300 references. So everything that I say, I, I provide the literature. I provide the proof on that. But again, the proof is common sense. In the beginning, we talk about the truth about cholesterol because I want people to understand how important it is for all body functions. So people need to understand that. And then we get what's into the truth. What, what's the truth? Well, I mean, Hardy, why, why, you know, why does, uh, you know, if I say cholesterol, to, let me interview you here. If I say cholesterol to you, what do you think? Eggs. I think about eggs. <laughs> but I think it's a myth, isn't it? I think well, eggs are healthy. Well, you, I guess, you but I'm no expert here. Okay. Okay. Eggs are healthy. But when I speak from the stage all over the world, that's one of my favorite questions to kind of ask, you know, the audience. If I say cholesterol, you know, what do you think? Heart attack, stroke, yeah, okay, sure, eggs, sure. Uh, I mean, or, or eggs, and then eggs we think negatively because they would, you know, because they contain cholesterol, therefore they pose, you know, higher risk for heart attack and stroke. When, as you just said, actually studies show that that's not the case. And one of the things eggs do as a, a multivitamin and as a cocoon for a baby chicken that contains all the nutrients for a chicken to come to life, it's like one of nature's perfect foods. Um, Uh, again, it improves the cholesterol panel, HDL, LDLs. So we talk about that, but then essentially, then I start getting into what the best nutrition is. We start talking about, you know, again, the chapter on sunshine and sleep and really could you, get could you, could, sorry to interrupt you again, but, um, nope. I think everybody who's listening to this, like, okay. would love to hear your opinion on how, how the be best nutrition would look like for, for okay. everyone. So when it comes to nutrition, there are so many different opinions, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess on, on one side right now, it's very popular to be a vegan and a vegetarian. And then other side over here, you've got, you know, um, well, on the other side, of course, you would have, you know, purely carnivore where you're consuming most of your calories as meat and seafood. And then, you know, amongst that, you know, are you low fat? Are you low carb? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Mediterranean diet. There's so many things. Now, let me say this. The diet that has the most evidence 
in all the scientific literature is the Mediterranean diet. The, you know, mm. People that follow the Mediterranean diet, the closer they follow it, the longer they live. That's the How does it look like? Stuff like that. So Mediterranean diet is going to be certainly a lot of vegetables, fruit, uh, some animal products, some seafood, and some grains, but really focusing more on kind of of those of those whole food you know type things. Of course, getting rid of the refined sugar, the white sugar, the white flour. I think pretty much everybody's in agreement with that. But let me say this: I, then when there when there are studies that are done that compare paleo nutrition or following the wisdom of our ancestors, paleo trumps Mediterranean. Now, paleo means old stone age, and that's why my book is called The Paleo Cardiologist, about living the whole paleo lifestyle in the 21st century. But eating those paleo foods, first of all, those paleo foods had no chemicals, no chemicals, no artificials, no additives, so no added sugar. So they were all whole foods, tons of vegetables, fruit in season, nuts, seeds, Eggs, avocados, coconuts, free-range grass-fed meats, and wild seafood. They did not eat wheat, barley, rye. Like you said, they didn't have a bottle of wine every night you know, uh, <laughs> with their dinner, which I, I agree with you. Um, and if you do drink wine and whatever food you eat, I, Hardy, I tell people – do it organically because in the United States, everything is tainted with chemicals. Everything is sprayed with pesticides. If it kills pests, it kills us. So let's agree on that, you know, making sure we get as clean a food as possible. My preference, again, is that our ancestors for millions of years never ate wheat, barley. They never had bread, cereal, pasta. They never had rice. Um, so yeah. So, and, 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 and frankly, up until three and a half million years ago in evolution, our, our human precursors before, you know, we became our species that we currently are now, we ate vegetables, we ate fruit, and we ate bugs. We ate insects. And then as of three and a half million years ago, we started, we learned the ability to hunt. And that's when we started eating meat and hardy the first meats that we ate. And the only meats that we really ate for, 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 you know, th hundreds of thousands of years, liver, kidney, heart, spleen, they were the organs. Mm -hmm. And that led, according to the paleontologists, the PhDs that do the original research led to the explosion in our brains. Mm. So, so, so basically, you're a big advocate, and the scientific research shows that the paleo diet is the best diet out there. And um, I would love to hear, like, for everybody who's listening to this, because I'm also like, um, I can't believe that that a few people are like in this one extreme camp or the other, be it like vegan or the carnivore only diet. Like, what would you tell them? Because I think it's It's like outlandish to me that th those dyes even have such a mass appeal. But um, yeah, could you please speak to that? Well, you know the um, uh, you know once again for for millions of years, humans are hunter gatherers. 
if we were in Africa, if we were in Europe, if we were in uh, you know the Middle East, uh, if we were in you know uh, you know you know the early Indians. Again, I mean, there was some grain that was in you know the early <clears throat> Native American. But again, if we all came from Northern Africa, there are still tribes there that are hunter gatherers. Uh, why, why reinvent the wheel? Why try and come up with something else? Now, the carnivore diet, I can understand some benefits to that, especially in the short term. Maybe more, uh, you know, in the winter, we were more carnivorous because we had to kill large animals. And, and in so many population areas, there was not vegetation that was growing. It'd be harder to get. Um, and in the summer, more towards the vegetation and fruits and vegetables and, and whatnot. But again, why try and reinvent the wheel? Now, if you're, if you're a vegan... You may be doing so for two reasons. Number one, you think it's healthy. You think that eating animals is not healthy for you. Um, and there is scientific literature to, to, to back up that hypothesis as well. Uh, but then again, are you doing it for ethical reasons? I cannot eat something else with eyes. I cannot eat something, again, that did not grow from the ground. And that opens up a whole other debate really as to what's going on. Like if you're from my home state, you know, in uh, Illinois, in the United States, where the entire state is plowed over for soy. Well, what happens to the ecosystem and to the animals that were there when you plowed over all that land for, you know, for soy? So there's no, there's, there's no perfect situation. And again, if we get back to nature where the cows you know, the cows are grazing over here and they're eating the grass and then the cows poop and the chickens kind of come up behind that and they help to kind of replenish the soil and then the crops grow there again and the whole system moves along and then the human does eat the cow and then, but the cow has offspring. So now there is, you know, more cow. I mean, so this, this whole cycle of life is perfect for the environment and really perfect for all species that are in there, except for, you can say the longevity of the cow. Mm. I, I'm not, I, I, I personally, I hate the idea of having to kill something else, whether yeah. honestly, whether it's an animal or it's a plant, but we're having a conversation about the best nutrition and the best health of a human. That's what it's about. It's, this conversation is not about the best life for a cow. It's about the best life for a human. And if somebody mm -hmm. wants to have the conversation about best life for a cow, then they probably don't want to read my book. I don't know what book they, they you know, they can read, but um, this, this is just how we've been doing it for millions. And there shouldn't be much debate about it, right? We don't debate about uh, you know, hey, Hardy, I, I'm writing this new book. It's called The Helium Solution. And instead of breathing air, we all should be breathing helium because helium is so much better for us. You would laugh in my face. We're not going to come up with a different way of breathing. We're not going to come up with a different plan <laughs> eating. It's, uh, you know, veganism is deficient in certain nutrients. One of, and, and, and frankly, I don't really care if people eat meat. I do care that people eat seafood because seafood, I think, is the single healthiest food on the planet. Mm. So having said that, um, could you please go, go, uh, continue your story about your book? So, um, yeah. So again, so, you know, so even if you don't necessarily gravitate towards my dietary, you know, reasoning, and again, at the end of, at the end of chapter four, where I finish up on diet, the rest of the book is about other stuff at the end of chapter four. We're talking about, uh, you know, really just doing everything organically as clean as possible. So if you like wine, drink organic wine. If you like coffee, drink organic coffee. If you like, you know, bagels and cookies and cupcakes or pizza or 
whatever you're eating, do it organically. And my preference, of course, is also to do it gluten-free. Gluten is a nasty protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. And I suggest people uh, you know, avoid that as well. Okay, so then we start getting into um, the, you know, the importance of sunshine. And uh, again, how can we, you know, every, you know, the people with the highest levels of vitamin D have the lowest risk of everything. How do we get vitamin D? We don't get it from a pill bottle. We get it from the sun. The sun hits our skin. It turns the cholesterol in the skin. Again, that cholesterol molecule that's so important for a variety of reasons. It turns that cholesterol into, uh, into vitamin D. So we need to get plenty of sunshine. All life exists outside. The only people that are inside are humans. Everything else, all plants, all animals, we're all outside. So we need to spend more time outside. We need to get more sunshine. I don't think there's anything more important than sleep. Sleep deprivation in every study that's ever been done markedly accelerates risk of physical disease, mental disease. So we need to go to sleep on time, but nobody does. Nobody, remember, you know, for millions of years, we all went to sleep with the sun down. Can you imagine that? We went to sleep with the sun down and then we awoke before the sunrise. We saw the sunrise and then we enjoyed the sun and worked outside in the sun and lived outside in the sun until it was time to go to bed again. Again, I'm trying to give people the optimal solutions. But what yeah. are people doing, Hardy? What are they doing when the sun goes down? All day, yeah. They're on, I'm the, still computer. On the computer. They're on their cell phone. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not here to tell people to get rid of technology. I'm not here to tell people to all go to sleep. You know, at, at 7.30 at night, I'm here to tell you if you want to be healthy – you're going to start doing those behaviors. You're not going to go to sleep at midnight. You're going to go to sleep at 10 or 8. You're going to do strategies that limit our exposure to artificial lights, to the technology, especially at night, and especially in the children. Our children mm -hmm. do not do yeah. any technology uh, whatsoever. Our baby has never even seen, you know, you know what a cell phone looks like. They've never seen a computer. Whereas so many parents, they stick their baby right in front of that, you know, right in front of that monitor just so they can yeah. do their other things. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to be judgmental or hypercritical of these parents, but I'm here to help save the children and start from a young age. So our, our seven-year-old has some exposure to technology. Our 12-year-old a little more so because, I mean, listen, the world is going to be full, to, full of tech but uh, they can always learn it very quickly. They don't need to be YouTube experts, you know, when they're, when they're seven and 12, we can save yeah. that for another day. But in any case, um, going to sleep with the sundown, awaking with the sunrise, getting sun exposure is, is really, really so fundamental and really hardy, maybe more important than the, than the nutrition side. Because again, there are tribes in Africa where they feed them junk food, they feed them on an experiment, which is not really, you know, <laughs> I can't say it's a, uh, it's an ethical experiment, but they do the experiment on these, on these tribes people. They feed them junk food and their health does not suffer at all That's because crazy. they are still 
in the sun and they still live their lifestyle with sleep and sunshine and stuff like that. Now, when you take them out of their environment and even if you feed them health, health goes down the, the yeah. health goes, the health goes. Yeah. So again, we always debate about, about nutrition, but there should be no debate at all about the importance of sleep, of course, and the importance of sunshine. So if we start with those, we're in a good place. And then my, my book, I have a whole chapter on stress. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it's called One Nation Under Prozac. The answer, of course, is not to take pharmaceuticals for your stress. The answer is to do different strategies and techniques to lower your stress. People with the highest amounts of stress have the lowest risk of everything. They have the lowest risk of heart attacks, of strokes, of cancer, of autoimmune. So we got to, you know, I talk about anxiety, stress, depression, uh, social isolation, people that are, are, you know, alone in their world, they don't have really family or friends to count on, uh, their, their risk of dying is markedly higher. So, so all those different things, and I call, you know, those are all in the S's category, right? Sleep, sunshine, stress. Uh, is, is, is all stuff to, you know, to get to, you know, to work on. And then of course, you know, let's talk about our environment, the environmental pollution that we're all swimming in air pollution. Again, hundreds of studies, high amounts of air pollution in congested cities. Uh, uh, you know, the highest risk of everything. So we need to, you know, we need to work on that pollution. We can't do anything about the outdoor air necessarily, so we'll work on indoor. And we talk about laundry detergent, fabric softener, dryer sheets, colognes, perfumes, all these different synthetic chemicals that cause so much damage to our health. Um, and then, uh, you know, physical activity, you know, going inside to a gym. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't like that. Get outside, get outside in nature, no matter what the weather is, dress warm. Even if all you do is get your face and your eyeballs into the light, into the sun, all that stuff has monumental benefits. Mm, I love this. So, um, Jack, at the end, I always ask like five very quick and short questions um, to every guest. But before I ask those, I would love to hear your best advice on stress management, because a lot of entrepreneurs are listening to this who have a hectic schedule and a lot of employees to manage. So what would you tell them? Like, what is your best advice, uh, stress management wise? And the other, the second question is, um, I would love to hear like your most controversial opinion on health that most people <laughs> disagree with you on so <laughs> please speak to, to, to those two questions hardy are you asking me that because you know the answer because you want me to say it no no oh, no not. i don't i don't okay really. <laughs> okay all right well i'll i'll, I'll give you something believe me um okay so as, far as, as far as stress is concerned as far as stress is yeah. concerned um I mean, it's clearly I would tell people to get stressful people out of their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, some of us, we have, we have family and we have relatives. What's the difference? Family is a, a blood relative that you resonate with that is on the same, you know, on the same plan as you. Maybe they follow some of the same diet. They follow the same lifestyle. They have the same values that you do. That's family. Relatives, 
again, are are people you're related to who you don't resonate with, who who don't you know who are constantly a source of argument and stress. Now that can be a mother, that could be a father, a brother, a sister, you know, an aunt, an uncle. Unfortunately, it can be a child. If you want your health. You got to you got to separate from those people and keep them really, really, really at a distance. Um, That's number one. Number two, of course, is physical activity. I find when I'm under the most amount of stress, whether it's a deadline for for a speaking engagement or issues going on in my office, whatever it may be, just to get outside and go for a walk or a hike or a bike ride. Listen, meditation is very popular these days. Meditation is huge. Yoga is another form of relaxation. Um, uh, deep breathing exercises. There's a lot of things you can do, and I talk about that in my book. My most controversial opinion um, is is undoubtedly has nothing to do directly with heart disease. To do with the idea of vaccination about injecting chemicals and poisons into children. And I am anti-vaccination. And I've been on CNN in the United Why? States talking Why? about that. Um, and my point is that, once again, we've, we've evolved over millions of years. We have an immune system. We have protections in our body. And when we give our body the tools it needs, the food, the sleep, the sun, avoiding chemicals, the body can do anything. We don't need to inject heavy metals, antibiotics, uh, uh, proteins from other de- uh, from other animals, proteins from humans. We don't need to inject that stuff into a newborn baby in order for it to achieve health. Right? Think about this, Hardy. We start off as the sperm and the egg. The sperm from the father and the egg from the mother, they come together in a miracle that we cannot explain and probably never will be able to explain that miracle of how that happens. And now that one-celled life becomes two and four and eight and 16 and so on and so forth until you have a beautiful baby and the birth process. And now here's the baby and the baby can smell and feel and love and nurse and pee and poop and all the things that babies do. Where does a vaccine come into that picture? Where does a vaccine for hepatitis B come into that picture? Hepatitis B is a virus that people get when they use intravenous drugs and they sleep with multiple sex partners. That's hepatitis B. And in the United States, other countries don't do this, but in the United States, they give it to newborn babies on the first day of life. So that, my friend, in short form, is my most controversial opinion that most people disagree about. But there are many, many, many medical doctors that agree with me. And there are more and more so and more and more parents, again, that want to embrace the natural lifestyle for the child. But what's scarily happening is that states and countries are making these things mandatory. 
And it's a scary time when we lose our, our freedom of healthcare decisions over our bodies and that over our children, and we lose it to, to government and the, the government that is that are puppets put in place by big industry and the pharmaceutical companies that control the world. I mean, this right, I mean this this is trillions of dollars of revenue. And of course, Hardy, they inject us with the chemicals in the beginning, and then as it leads to sickness as we go along, then they can sell us more of the pharmaceuticals as we get sicker over a lifetime. It's really sinister uh, what's happening. Uh, this sounds very interesting. Obviously, I'm no expert in this topic, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there needs to be a discussion um, with the whole regulation stuff. And yeah. So um, could you please tell everybody where can they connect with you on the social webs? And yeah, tell them again, where, where can they buy your book, uh, work with you and so on and so forth? You got it, my friend. Yeah, so over at the Doctors Wolfson, my wife and I are both doctors. So the T H E D R S Wolfson. So doctors is abbreviated the doctorswolfson.com. We're also on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm personally on LinkedIn at, at Jack Wolfson. Um, and um, you know what else can I what else can I really tell you? I mean, certainly you know my book, The Paleocardiologist: The Natural Way to Heart Health. Uh, I don't talk at all about vaccines in the book. What I do talk about in the book is heavy metals, uh, mercury, lead, arsenic, cadmium, uh, aluminum are all linked to cardiovascular disease, and you can find some of those metals in the vaccine injections. So, uh, yeah, those are the places you know where, where to reach out. And uh, if you have any questions, certainly you can always email us at health at the doctors Wolfson. I try and be as available as possible. And then, of course, people from all over the world, if they're looking for the best in preventive and, and therapeutic cardiovascular care, come on out to Arizona. Or if you're out of country, we can even do a phone call as well. And you can get a hold of me. My, my personal practice is WolfsonIntegrativeCardiology.com. And again, uh, for anybody who wants to find me, they can find me. <laughs> so um, the first out of the five quick questions is... Um, What are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life, Jack? The three books. Um, okay, well, um, I love uh, I love uh, you know reading some of the stuff of uh, Anne Rand, uh, A Y N R A N D, right? So so the Fountainhead and and Atlas okay. Shrugged, uh, and really just it was it was kind of a call to action as far as our, our personal. Uh, you know, health and freedoms and, and stuff. You know, I mean, I, just just being a free person uh, in the world today. Um, I guess number number two, uh, as far as books are concerned, uh, um, uh, I love I, I love uh, history. I love historical fiction. Uh, so there was a book um, by uh, by uh, um, uh, uh, Leon Uris called Exodus. I love Exodus, uh, and then. The, the third book that I really like, uh, right off the top of my head, um, I like um, I like uh, uh, The Alchemist. I believe it's mm. by uh, Paolo you know, Coelho, and that's certainly one yeah. of those good kind of kind of like self help uh, you know books and life changing books. You know uh, you know who moved my cheese. Uh, you know you know kind of some of those like motivational type things. Oh, I, I got another one too. Uh, you know what? Let me take that back. Third favorite book is called uh, Outwitting the Devil. Um, by, sorry, sorry, uh, by, sorry. Uh, you you were you were you. The connection was a bit bad. Like, what was the name? Okay, it's called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon okay, Hill. Um, uh, you know, th that's from 1938, but it was recently published. And it's about getting the devils out of your life. 
and achieve your greatness. Got it. So um, the second question is, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Um, uh, three movies, you know, for sure. Uh, Rocky. Uh, Rocky is my personal favorite movie, Rocky, along with my wife. Um, uh, you know, that is just a, such an inspirational story. Great music. Uh, uh, just, you know, just, just a really amazing film uh, from 1976. Uh, my second favorite movie that I would say is something that I saw recently. Um, uh, and I'm blanking on the name of it, of course. Um, uh, uh, the, the main actor is Hugo, uh, Mor uh, I'm sorry, Vigo Mortensen. Um, okay. And the book is called, this is very important because people should should definitely see this movie. Yeah, feel free to Google it. <laughs> All right, I'm Googling it as we go along uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, come on, where are you, Vigo? Vigo, Vigo, Vigo. <laughs> okay, it's called Captain Fantastic. Got it. Captain Fantastic. It came out in 2016, and it's a movie basically about a, a man who is raising his six children out in the wild. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so everybody should see that. And then, um, I don't know, you know, my third favorite movie, maybe off the cuff, um, uh, I want to give somebody something of like tremendous intellectual value, <laughs> but I, I, you're, you're, you're stumping me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I, I Anything would say, on your mind? Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so this is, so this is a documentary and this pertains to health and I have a chapter on this in my book and the documentary is called Root Cause, How Root Canals Damage the Body and, um, uh, and, and, you know, root canal teeth. So these are dead teeth that are infected and lead to all kinds of disease. So the movie is called Root Cause. Got it. The third question out of the five is, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Uh, the most useful product uh, or service. I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, for example, service, I think is, is massage, you know, so oh. getting, you know, to, you know, talk about, you know, let's go back to what we just said before Hardy about, you know, maybe the best ways to relax and to get the stress out is to, you know, have a weekly massage, whether it's a friend who does it, or you can afford to go to a spa, but somebody who yeah. does body work on you. And this whole time we didn't mention really chiropractic at all. I think, you know, going to the chiropractor and getting adjusted helps to reset the system as well. So, Uh, let me let me say that. And then, uh, you know, we talked, you know, as far as a product, you know, that I bought, you know, I recently bought another air purification system. So air purifiers for indoor to clean out your indoor air are super important as well. Uh, and then I do, you know, podcasts and I do videos. So I recently bought another microphone, but I'll, I'll save that conversation. <laughs> so uh, the fourth out of the five question is, um, what are the most important realizations you've had? in the last couple of years. And we had some guests who shared something deeply personal about their business, family, relationships. So speak to anything um, you feel comfortable sharing with us today. Well, I mean, listen, um, uh, as far as realization is concerned, uh, one of the most difficult things all of us can struggle with is our professional life and our personal life. As far as finding time for all of it. And how do you, you know, it, I think it's very difficult to reach the highest pinnacles in the business world if you are also trying to be the best family man. So it's really what your goals are. 
me personally, I love business. I love the ability to be able to help people from all over the world, but I also really value and cherish time with my wife and our three children and our dog uh, and, and being outside and really taking care of myself. So how do we find that balance? And I think over the last few years, I really have found a lot more of that balance. As a traditional cardiologist, there is no balance. It is all work, 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 work. Uh, and since I left that kind of practice in 2012, over the last several years, even as I'm building this business and really trying to get my message out there to the world to save millions of people, like my father could not be saved, really about finding that balance. And I think it also, Hardy, it has to do with really just getting regimented and scheduled. This is my time for work, work, work. This is my time for play, play, play. Mm, got it. So um, the last question for today is, uh, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, my 20-year-old self, I would have told myself certainly to be healthy because I'm in that health and nutrition and wellness lifestyle until I was 30. So I would definitely, you know, go back and, and tell myself uh, that. Otherwise, you know, me personally, I don't have too many regrets. If I could grab any 20-year-old, it's to tell them to embrace Again, all those things that we talked about, the sleep, the outdoors, uh, you know, the, you know, the sunshine to, uh, although they may be totally glued to their technology, to tell them to kind of peel back a little bit and open up their eyes and look around the world, um, you know, to, you know, to engage, you know, one another in physical contact, to engage in physical conversation, to look at, you know, look at each other eye to eye and actually be able to talk because so many children these days, they they've lost that skill set. They're so glued to their devices that they have such social anxiety and so many phobias. Uh, and it's to, it's to achieve that. Um, and again, I would tell those 20 year olds, you know, start working on building quality relationships and the ones that are not quality, get them out of your life. Right. I mean, it doesn't do any good Hardy for, for me to argue with with another cardiologist or for me to argue with someone who's 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 vegan and we're going at it like this okay if you you want to believe what you believe go ahead i'm going to believe what i believe over here i've got my fans and people that believe in my message you've got yours over here okay you know like you know can we can we coexist that way the problem ultimately comes in for example if we go back to the vaccine argument if someone is vaccinating their child, if someone is feeding their child garbage, uh, you know, artificial things and high sugar and, and, and toxic foods, if a child is glued to technology, if a child is, uh, again, not going to sleep or not getting sun or they're putting toxic sunscreen all over a child, I think that's child abuse. And I think that that should be stopped. But that's my opinion. Somebody else may say, hey, technology, it's not proven to be bad or these artificial you know, you know, foods, they're not bad. And the sunscreen is good because it helps to protect the child from cancer, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I guess at the end of the day, obviously, my first book I recommended was anything by Ayn Rand. So I'm all about freedom. Let me be free to do what I want. Let me be free to do what you want. Um, but again, you know, if you want to smoke, you can smoke all day long. I don't care. Just don't smoke around me and don't smoke around children. But people still do. Yeah, I love this. So, um, Jack, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Really appreciated it. And um, yeah, thank you so much. My pleasure, Hardy. Thank you so much. <laughs> Talk soon. Bye-bye. Oh,